Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you, worship team. This is an awesome team. Every week I get to sit and play keyboards or bass or, I don't know, do sound. I, I get to do all this stuff with these guys, and, and I'm just super excited to be able to, to do this with these guys. So thank you all. Thank you, Stefano. He's one of our new friends, so if you guys don't know him, he's great. So you guys might not know me. Not, my name's Mark Ashley. You probably didn't recognize me because of the beard. I know what you guys are thinking. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to look like Jason, so... Um, Got to eat a little more, though. Um, but, oh, no, you know, Jason's my buddy, so I got to work on <laughs> I'm working on my working out, man. I'm lifting weights. I'm lifting weights. So, anyways, I got a little, uh, little, bit, of, little bit of beard growth this week. I don't know what I'm doing. But, um, anyways, welcome to the mission. We're so excited you're all here. Actually, last week was awesome. Who was here last week? If you weren't here, I hope you had a great time with your family on Easter. Um, if, if you were here with us, you know that we had a wonderful time together on Easter, celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive, and that was so incredible. If you weren't here last week, though, this week is a perfect week for you guys to be here, because we're starting this new series, as you guys have already heard, it's called Alive, Not Just Living. How many of us want to be alive, not just living I mean, you know, sometimes we feel like we're just living and that's what we're talking about this week. So we're going to just kind of go through the book of Colossians. We already kind of mentioned that. But um, what, I, what I wanted to start with first is just talking about this time of the year in Redlands. Um, how many of you guys know what's going on this week in Redlands? The Bicycle Classic, right? This time of year in Redlands is the Bicycle Classic. If you haven't been here for the Bicycle Classic, I know some of you guys are new to Redlands. It's the most amazing, for me, I'm okay, and I'm a cyclist, so just bear with me here. But, but for me, it's one of the coolest times of the year. It's like, you know, the weather's getting warm. There's all these people around downtown. I live downtown, so I just love the energy and the vibrancy and the, the, the you know, just the time that we have with these cyclists in town. And... Um, and actually, we're going to be hosting for, the, for this next week three riders. And we just found out, I think, we're not completely sure, that they're coming tomorrow. We thought they were coming Tuesday. So the cycling race starts on Wednesday. And uh, so we'll be, we'll be with those guys all week. So I'm excited about that, too. Um, if you haven't seen the cycling race, though, you've got to go downtown on Saturday. Who's been to see this race on Saturdays downtown where they do what's called a criterion? It's like NASCAR with guys in Lycra and spandex <laughs> going like 30 miles an hour around and around downtown. It's awesome. And if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. One thing that reminds me of is that Sunday morning, we're going to have cycling downtown. So make sure next Sunday, you don't want to miss church. So please, don't, don't miss this. But go around Downtown, So go down to Redlands Boulevard and Clark Street or, you know, come down um, Olive or something like that. Don't go on Cajon because it'll be shut down and it's, it's a mess down there. So just, just, just a reminder. So we'll get that out of the way. But again, this time of year always reminds me of, of uh, cycling. And cycling reminds me of a certain smell. Does anybody have certain smells? No, no, not that kind of smell. I wasn't talking about that. No. There's certain smells that remind you of things. Do you guys 
have this, I have the same thing. Like, there's a certain smell I can imagine it right now that reminds me of my grandparents' house. It almost chokes me up just thinking about it, actually, because there's this, this smell, and I don't know what it is, but it'll remind me of my grandparents. And my grandparents are gone, but if I ever smell it, I think it's a smell, like a mixture of mildew and mothballs or something. I don't know what it is, but when I smell it, it reminds me of my grandparents. Um, there's also smells that remind me of cycling and remind me of spring. And that, that actually, for me, is, is um, orange blossoms. How many of you guys love the smell of orange blossoms? How many of you guys get allergies when you smell orange blossoms? I'm sorry about that. But I love the smell of orange blossoms. And actually, Adrienne and I were working um, on trying to get that orange blossom smell in our backyard. About three or four years ago, we were, we were, um, we were thinking, you know, we want to have some orange trees in our backyard, or citrus trees, not all of them were oranges, and um, we'd love to smell that, and you know, just get some fruit on those trees, and, and so we thought, had a bright idea, we, we planted them like this, um, in a little whiskey barrel, or big whiskey barrel, I guess it is, um, and that's my tree, it's been three or four years, and I haven't gotten any um, fruit yet, I haven't even gotten any flowers yet, but that's my tree, um, sorry, I'm not a great gardener, but... Um, so that's one way of uh, planting orange trees. But then, have you ever been up on Prospect Park? Anybody love to walk around Prospect Park? That's, that's like an amazing place. Like you, you walk around the corner and these, like, there's bamboo. And you walk around another corner and there's you know, just flowers. And you go down into that valley where there's all those oranges. And, and I just want to show you a, a picture of that. Um, there's all these flowers and oranges and green and it's beautiful. And it's almost like those trees were made for that orchard up there, and they weren't made to be sit in a whiskey barrel. Um, but sometimes our lives are just like that too, right? Like we feel sometimes we get planted and we get contained, and we're contained by expectations, or we're contained by the rules, or we're contained by just this sense that we have to stay within the boundaries. And we feel like that other plant. But we, as Jesus followers, and we as, even if you're not a Jesus follower, you were made, you were built to be in this beautiful orchard, bearing fruit, and that wonderful smell. If you've ever been in that orchard, when there's flowers like this, there's bees buzzing, there's, it's like downtown Redlands when the classic comes. It's life. And that is what these trees were made for. So I feel bad that I put my little tree in my bucket. But sometimes that's what we do with our lives, right? We don't feel very fruitful. We get lost in the mundane day-to-day life and then just... For me, it's like, you know, I get lost in the mundane day of sewing up lacerations and, you know, lancing abscesses and taking care of hemorrhoids. Um, You know, speaking and teaching and playing music. I know I'm getting tired just thinking about it all. But you all do the same thing. And I can get stressed, and I can get worn down, or I can even feel kind of sad or lonely being kind of in that day-to-day grind. And sometimes my life can feel like it's in the middle of a whiskey barrel instead of a beautiful orchard. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, anybody out there ever felt like you're just going through the motions? Even if you don't believe in Jesus, 
you probably have this question, how can I live a life that's fruitful? How can I live a life that's powerful and joyful? A life that's truly significant? This is the fundamental question of humanity. I mean, people throughout ages have always been trying to figure this out. And you see, our world, we have it all wrong. I mean, do you know people that think that like following Jesus is kind of boring and that God's meant to take all the fun out of life? That, that maybe, maybe even you've felt that way. That as Christ followers, we're meant to stay contained and live a life that simply follows orders. Or afraid that God is angry with us. That, that we just need to keep performing for Him so that He doesn't end up just throwing us out, throwing us away. You see, our culture, we search for this significance through anything but Jesus. We're told that we can do anything we want with whoever we want, whenever we want, however we want, with whatever we want. Um, And yet still people are crying out for significance through their Instagram posts and their Facebook posts. Snapchat, I don't do Snapchat, but you know, people are trying to find significance in their life. Because otherwise it's fruitless. It's meaningless. And so thinking back about the contrast between those two citrus trees, you know, the one I'm trying to grow in my backyard and those that live up in the beautiful orchard in Prospect Park, I imagine the environment and the circumstances and I compare them to our own lives. You see, living with Jesus alive in us allows us to have this amazing technicolor, vivid life, which just isn't contained in anything. See, we're rooted in Christ Jesus, who is the creator of the universe. In Him, we have all we need and, we could, and all we could ever ask for, really. There's no whiskey barrel containing us. There's no religious laws or rituals or anything like that to contain the hope and love and grace that Jesus Christ provides for us. So in the orchard that is the life of a Jesus follower, we're free to grow and produce fruit and be alive. Not just living our lives, but alive. Not just living until the clock runs out. And it's this amazing life that we're going to examine over the next several weeks. I'm not going to put a time frame on it. I don't want you guys to leave before the end. Um, but, no, it's, we're going to be doing this for seven, eight, nine weeks, I think, that we've decided. And um, today, though, we're going to focus on the first chapter of Colossians. Okay? Because even the earliest Christians had this same exact question. How can I be significant? How can I live a life that's alive? And I think this week is a perfect week to kind of segue from the Easter story because we all have the same question that these early Christ followers had. They grappled with what it meant to follow Jesus. They believed, and yet they said, what does that mean to me? What do I do differently? How does my life look different? See, the Easter message, the good news that Jesus died for their sins and our sins that Jesus was alive, it wasn't just a theory for them. It wasn't just a story. You see, I mean, for us, sometimes we can think of it in so far back in, in time that we just don't realize like what this meant. But when you think about the early church, there were people that were alive that had seen Jesus 
alive after he'd been crucified. So it's not like they were just hearing it from a preacher. It was like they had seen Jesus alive after he'd been crucified. And so they were ready to die for what it, what it took to spread that message to the rest of the world. And it changed everything, as we talked about last week. It changed everything for them. Because they had seen and heard from those who had at least seen Jesus alive, this was the truth of the good news of the gospel. That God sent Jesus, His Son, to die for us. So that we... And then he raised the son from the dead so that we could have a life that was eternal, that was everlasting, but yet that was better on earth as well, on, as, on earth as it is in heaven. And now I say no better like, oh, you know, you're going to have a better car or a better house. That's not what it was talking about. But it actually made a difference in their lives. So the question we all ask is, how should we live? after knowing that, that Jesus died for us and He raised from the dead and He's alive in us, how should we live? And that's the question we're going to fundamentally answer through the book of Colossians, this this next series. So in order to study the book of Colossians, which really isn't a book, it's actually a letter, um, was written to a church, was a church plant by a guy named Paul. And most of you know Paul, so I'm sorry if I'm going to kind of backtrack on you guys. But you have to understand Paul. And Paul wrote this letter about 15 years-ish after Jesus was risen from the dead. So if you can imagine, there's people around that had seen Jesus. It's not like he's writing this, you know, 30, 40, 50 years later or something like that. So Paul's an interesting guy, and if you read your Bible, you know that he started out as the best religious guy around. I mean, if he were living today, he'd be like the super awesome Christian guy, you know. But, um, But at that time, he was the super awesome Jewish guy. You know, he'd keep all the rules. He was like the guy who didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't chew, he didn't sleep with women who do. I, I don't. That's that's what I heard. But um, but you know that guy. You know who that guy is, right? Maybe you're that guy too. Maybe you're that guy that keeps all the rules, and that's okay. I mean, it's cool to keep the rules. I'm not I'm not dissing you or anything. But he was like this goody two shoes guy that kept all the Jewish law and everything. But then his life changed when he saw the risen Jesus. That Jesus was alive on the road to Damascus. His life changed because once that happened, he couldn't go back. He couldn't put that cat back in the box. He had to go and tell this to the whole world. And so his ministry spread throughout all of the Roman Empire. And many churches were built. Even this church that we're going to study, the the church in Colossae, It was built not even by Paul. Paul didn't even plant that church. Another guy planted that church. But his fire and his just passion for the gospel spread throughout the Roman world. And and the problem is, he was declaring that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of everything. And in the Roman Empire, that was a problem. Because, you see, Caesar was Lord. They believed that Caesar was like God, was a God. And when you stood up against that and said, no, no, I saw the Lord. He came to me on the road to Damascus and I don't, I don't subscribe to that. 
Jesus is Lord for me. And that kind of messes you up with the Roman Empire. He got put in the jail. Um, and he was now in jail and writing to all of these churches. And the thing about Paul that I love is like, you know, if I was in jail, I'd kind of want to be like, oh man, this is embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to talk to people uh, outside. I just want to sit here and do my thing. But he was so passionate about the gospel that he wanted to encourage people. He wanted to continue to teach through his letters. And so this letter to the Colossian church is where we start today. See, the, the thing about this letter that I love is that it kind of juxtaposes two things. This idea of theory, like the, the theory of what Jesus did for us and trying to understand that. Because you can see, when, when this all came about, not everyone was Jewish and understood the story of Jesus in the way that, that we kind of know it today. A lot of people at that time were you know, pagans or they, they worshipped multiple gods. They didn't really see, see this all. And so he, he, has to, he has to help these people who are not Jewish to understand what this really means to them. Like, what is, what's the theory behind what Jesus did? And then the second thing is then, okay, I know that. Now what do I do about it? And so this beautiful kind of play and tension that we all work through as Jesus followers is what he was addressing even in that day. I mean, we have this, this transition between good strategy and making good tactical decisions. We, we, we talk about knowing the right things to do and then doing the right things. Isn't it true that we all have this question for ourselves? And see, Paul's writing to this church of new believers. It's like a church plant, kind of like ours. And I don't completely know, I studied this, this part of it, but I don't exactly know what everything they were dealing with specifically in that church. I don't know what all of the different parts of the church were, were struggling with, but I can imagine that these people, kind of like us, they had difficulties in their lives. They, they had you know, difficult situations at work, just like you. They had difficult people in their lives. They had struggles with their family. They had people in their family that had gone astray, that, that had wandered away. They were scared. They felt weak. They felt powerless. They felt anxious. It's just like us. And they needed to know how to make the belief that they had in Jesus, this, this transformational belief, how it would actually make a difference in their lives. So we're going to kind of talk about this first part of Colossians 1, where Paul begins with a greeting, and then he writes out this prayer. It's like a prayer of thanksgiving for the Colossian church. And I just want to think about it as a church, as Paul speaking to us. So if you can imagine it that way, and also as Paul speaking to us as individual believers. So it's both corporately and individually that Paul's talking to these Colossian, this Colossian church. Because they were a growing community just like us. 
So let's let's uh, get through the text here. Let's start with Colossians 1, verse 3 through 14. So we're going to go 3 through 14. You bear with me here. Um, we're, we're reading it from the NIV, but if you read from other versions, it's cool. So we're, you know, like non-denomination in terms of versions. As long as it's not, you know, too... No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, When we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have for all God's people. So Paul begins this prayer of gratitude and he praises their faith. And you notice that the faith is followed by action. It's not just faith, but it's it's that they love one another. And this is going to be a theme that we're going to kind of see throughout this text right here. So watch for it as we continue. But it's always the, pra- the, the theory or the, the faith, the mind stuff, and then the action stuff. So just kind of watch that as you go through the book of Colossians. So the next verse, verse 5, says, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. See, the true message of the gospel is that This hope we have because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a message that Paul gets into into a little bit deeper into the next sentence and as we walk through this. But it's that hope we have in Christ Jesus. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit. There it is, bearing fruit. And growing throughout the whole world. Just as as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. And truly understood, truly understood God's grace. Don't miss that. We need to truly understand what God has done for us. And that's what bears this fruit. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So you hear again the understanding the gospel, or understanding this good news, this message that Jesus died for us, that he has, that God has grace for all the stupid stuff that I've done and that we've done. He has grace for us. That created a massive transformation in the whole world. It wasn't just, you know, Jerusalem. It wasn't just Judea. I mean, Colossae is a place that's in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. So that's, that's a long way away from Jerusalem. And you know that it went to the ends of the earth, to Rome. So here again, for the Colossians, it started with this missionary, Epaphras. I mean, this guy is an awesome guy. He'll, he'll come up again later in Colossians. You'll, you'll hear about him. But he was really that embodiment of faith in action. He, he, he saw that Jesus was king. He was the Messiah. And then he goes and he plants a church to spread that good news within this city. He was like their forefather. And... Um, and Paul is saying to this church plant in Colossae, I've heard of the good stuff you guys have done. It's kind of like, you know, you guys are awesome. He's so encouraging. And I've heard of the love that you have for each other because of the spirit that's in you. So, you know, then why does Paul have to write this letter, right? I mean, he sees all this great stuff. You guys are good. You guys are loving. You guys have faith. It's wonderful. You guys are doing great. It's almost like, you know, you guys are radically loving each other. And that is awesome. 
But there, there's not a problem with that. But what happens is, if you just stay there, and it doesn't change your life, that's what Paul was warning about. And really, that's what Paul is praying for this Colossian church, is to change their lives, transform lives. That they wouldn't just have the faith, the hope, and the love, but that they would grow into something more. And the next sentence that we're going to get to, it's like a really long sentence. It's 117 words. I just I highlighted it and checked it in Microsoft Word, so I know. It's 117 words. It's like the king of run-on sentences. But Paul is just like can't contain himself about this next part. So it's really important. And if you listen to what Paul's saying, it's not a life that's boring. It's not a life that's just small or insignificant. It's a life that's powerful and amazing. And let's read this together. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work that you do. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. So, This isn't simply a spiritual thing. It's practical. Paul is asking them to be filled with the knowledge of truth, with wisdom and understanding of the gospel, not just for knowledge's sake, not just to know so much more about God and about Jesus and so that you can, you know, I don't know, just make your friends feel feel jealous that you know more. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't about that. It wasn't like winning a Bible memorization contest it was because it gives us something some characteristics that I think we all want there's some adjectives in here that I'm wishing for for me and I'm hoping for for you these adjectives like strength endurance patience joyful is that a life that we need Is that a life that we're searching for, that we're longing for? That's what Paul was hoping for them. That's what Paul was praying for them. He says, I know you love each other. I know you have faith in Jesus Christ. But I want so much more for you. And I want so much more for all of us. I know I can use that. So, let's go to the next verse, verses 13 and 14. This is where we're going to end in terms of the scriptures today. It says this, For He has rescued us. This is Jesus. This is God He's he's calling. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul sums up the prayer kind of like he started it, reminding them of the gospel. Again, pointing us back to that Easter story that we talked about last week. Because for these followers of Jesus, and for us today, the Easter story changes everything. The fact that all the 
dumb stuff that I do and I've done and will do, it's covered by Jesus on the cross. And all we have to do is believe in Him and change our lives. And that's what Paul's asking. And that's what Jesus was asking. And that's what we need to do today. That's what we call grace. Sometimes we can kind of forget what that is, you know. Sing songs about it. But you and I, I know this about you. Maybe you don't even believe that, you know, maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you don't even believe in, in a standard that God sets for us. But I don't, I don't care about that. Use your own standard. How many of us live up to our own standards? I mean, you know, we, we, set, up, we set our minds on, I want to, you know, lose weight. We never make the standard. You know, I want to be nice to my kids. We mess up. I mean, even if you don't believe in God, we all know that we don't live up to the standards even that we set. And God's standard is so much higher. If you don't believe in God, even you know that you need a Savior. You need something that will change your life. And that's what we call grace. Because God sent His Son to rescue us. So then, in light of that grace, in light of the fact that we're living in this grace-filled life that Jesus has provided for us, what do we do different? And Paul is asking the Colossian church to be filled with knowledge and truth. So go back, if you will, to verses 9 through 12, because I think for the whole series, that's really kind of the sense that... that, um, we want to get, we want to nail these words in our minds. It's really the end of nine. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. Knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, to please Him. In every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Great endurance and patience. God, I need that. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. So how do we do that? And I believe that the words in this letter to the Colossian church will transform your life and my life. Because we need to grow in knowledge and understanding and wisdom so that we can have the rest of it. So that we can have a life that's persevering, that's enduring, that's joyful. And so I'm going to ask us to do something today that maybe it'll be easy for you, okay? I'm going to ask something from you. And maybe it's something that you've been wanting to do, but you just haven't been getting around to it lately. Maybe you've been feeling bad about that, and you haven't done much of it. Maybe you've never done it before. But will you commit to one thing with me this week? And that is to read the book of Colossians. Because, I mean, it's four chapters, <laughs> It's a small book. We picked a short book so that you all 
could read this together with us. Because I don't think you want to miss this. I don't think you want to miss a life that's full of joy, endurance, patience. And I want to start by getting knowledge and understanding and wisdom from the scriptures. Because we can all you know, make up what we think is going to work well. But Paul had a great idea. He listened to God and he wrote it down and he wrote it to this Colossian church. And God inspired that. And he's talking to us today through the book of Colossians. So if you're not the Bible reading type or if the Bible is not something you've opened much, or maybe you're skeptical of it, that's okay. We picked a book that's four chapters, so it's not going to take you long. But I want to ask you one more thing. And this one is one that you might not have thought of before. How many of you guys have a smartphone? How many of you have the Bible app on there? Okay. So if you didn't know about this, let me show you something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I won't show you the whole thing. But if you go to your Bible app, and you go to the, to the book of Colossians, say read. This is the, actually, this is great for when, when the preacher's boring. You can just kind of pretend you're reading the Bible, right? I've never done that before, though. Ever. So go to Colossians verse 1, or chapter 1. Up on the right upper hand, at least on an iPhone, I don't know about you Android people, there's a little button there that has a speaker. And it says audio. At the bottom you also may have a little play button. I would encourage you to listen to the book of Colossians this week. From the beginning to the end. Because you know why? Actually, this is a letter written to the Colossian church, but it People didn't read in those days. These kind of letters were read out loud. They spread throughout that area of, Col- of Colossae and, and some of the churches around. You'll, you'll hear, it, hear them mentioned throughout the book of Colossians. They spread it by, by, by saying it out loud. So I want each of us to not only read it, or if you don't want to read it, just commit to listen to it. It takes about 20 minutes. If I was going to give you my favorite version, and I don't want to be like, it's kind of like your favorite kid, but I've listened to all the versions of, not all the versions, not, I didn't listen to the Book of Mormon one, but, um, but I, I, I don't even know if they have that. In that um, I haven't read that. But, um, but I listened to many of the versions, and many of them are kind of like some ancient uh, British guy saying, behold, you know, and, and so you may want to pick a version that sounds like Paul's actually speaking to you. If I was going to pick a version out of the ones that I've heard, and I've heard a lot of them, would be the message. And the message is not exactly word for word, the Bible, the way that literally translated from the Bible. But the reason I want, I would encourage you to listen to the message is because the guy, first of all, that's reading it sounds like super encouraging. And I like finish it and I'm just like, yes, I am going to do that. And second of all, some of the words and everything kind of hit home a little better. So, if you listen to the message, that's cool. If you really feel like the message is, you know, too below you, that's cool too. I get it. Um, you know, listen to whatever version you want. But, but anyhow, that's, that's what I'm asking of us today. And that's what I'm asking for you this week. If you can commit to me to do that, and then show up next week, and I'll let Jason bring it home from there. But no, I, I think that that's going to change our lives. Because in light of the wisdom and understanding and knowledge that we gain from reading the scriptures, 
we have to ask ourselves this question. So how can I live differently? So, so listen or read and listen to the scripture and then ask this question. Pray this question. God, in light of this knowledge and wisdom and understanding, how can I live differently? How can I live differently this week? And if you're asking, if you're a Jesus follower, go back to the text. It says this. Ask what God's will is for you in your own circumstances. In my thought life, in my actions, in my marriage, in my workplace, in my church, in my relationships. How can I live differently? And I don't even care if you actually do it this week. Let's just, let's just take little baby steps. Let's just ask the question. Let's just think about it. Let's just ponder God's will for our lives in light of the knowledge and understanding of the book of Colossians. And next week, you don't want to miss the rest of this series. In fact, you don't want to miss any of this series at all. So if you know somebody who needs to hear this, if you know somebody who thinks that, you know, Christians are kind of boring, they just follow rules, they just have a boring life, they need to be here. If you think, if you see people that feel like Jesus following Jesus is, a, is like following rituals and religion, they need to be here. Because this book, this letter, it's not a self-help book. It's not this special technique or teaching. It's transforming our lives to be more like Jesus. Because I believe that by being filled with the knowledge and the wisdom that was written to this first century church, this first century growing community that was living out God's radical love, that we at the mission can begin to change this world as well by making God's radical love contagious. In our own lives, we will become who we were born to be. In our families, we'll become who we were born to be. And our church will become who we were born to be. We were born to be alive, not just living. We were born to be alive, not just living. Amen. Are we ready to go? Let's pray. Jesus. Thank you so much for giving us these words. God, I just, I'm so thankful that you appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus and that then you you set a fire throughout the rest of the world so that we could be saved. So that we could stand here today and worship you. And God, we know that sometimes our lives can get get bogged down. Sometimes our lives can get boring. But God, as as we set our minds and our hearts on learning this text, God, I just ask that you would speak to us. For those of us who've never read the Bible before, God, I just ask that you would 
Help us to find something in there that speaks to us, that will change our lives. Help us to ask the question in light of all that you've said through this word, how can I live differently? And God, as as the ushers come this morning, we just thank you for all you've done for us. We know we don't have much. But God, we know that what we bring to you will be multiplied. We're so thankful for all that you've given us. We're so thankful for the ministry of this place. And God, we just ask that what we do bring to you will be sent out to make a difference throughout this community. Throughout Redlands and throughout the Inland Empire and to the ends of the earth, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.